I don't know. I, I have no idea where this is recording, but it is recording somewhere. So whatever. Okay. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of EdChoice Chats. This is Mike McShane, Director of National Research at EdChoice, and we are having our last polling podcast of the year. I'm joined by my colleagues, John Kristoff and Ali Aldis. Um, as we take a look back, both on our most recent poll, which was in the field from November 8th through 12th, 2023, but also maybe taking a step back uh, and looking at the whole year. Are there new things that we learned this year? Were there interesting trends that are worth thinking about and understanding? Um, as always, I feel like maybe I should say this at the beginning. Maybe I should stop saying this at some point. But for, you know, maybe maybe there's someone new this month. So first off, welcome. Great. So glad you had the chance to join us. Um, but if you are unfamiliar, we at EdChoice have partnered with Morning Consult. Every month we poll a nationally representative sample of Americans. We oversample parents to get a, a wonderful picture of what American parents think. Throughout the course of this year uh, and the last couple of years, we've actually polled a variety of special populations of parents. We've polled teenagers a few times. We've polled teachers multiple times a year. We've looked at various different parent demographic groups that we really wanted to drill down into and understand what they were thinking. But at least for today, most of what we're going to talk about is our general population and parent survey. Though I will say, John or Allie, if something really stood out to you from um, our teen surveys or other uh, interest groups, have at it. Let it rip. The floor will be yours. Um, but maybe before we go big picture, we'll start by just looking at November. So like I said, this poll was in the field from November 8th through 12th. You think about that kind of time of year that it is really in the kind of meat and potatoes of the fall semester, looking up into Thanksgiving and Christmas, perhaps, but really in the kind of grind of, of teaching and learning. Uh, so John, I'm curious this month, did anything really stand out to you or anything of interest emerge in the data? One trend that stuck out to me, and this is this is kind of a, a an interpretation of, of several questions together. Um, but for me, a a something that stood out was just a a difference in opinions between parents and non-parents. And this is definitely something that we've talked about before. This is something that we prioritize quite a bit in EdChoice polling. Um, we, you know, we talk about parent-specific results quite often, and I think maybe it's worth just highlighting why that is so relevant. So, first off, obviously, when we're talking about education policy, experiences with the education system, education reform, all of that, that is going to impact parents more directly than non-parents. Obviously, you can have a conversation about, you know, how our kids grow up affects broader society, whether they have kids or not. Sure, you can have those questions, but certainly more directly, parents will have uh, a more invested interest in in what is going on. And what's interesting to me is just in general, how much more positive parents are about things in general than non-parents, which I feel like goes against a lot of uh, tropes and a lot of uh, norms and things like that. And maybe how parents maybe might feel at any given moment on a, on a, on a particular day. But, you know, when we talk about how people are feeling about the education system, uh, you know, what direction is it going? You know, that's a question that we've asked since day one of, of, of this, of this tracker, parents consistently more optimistic when we get a lot more specific about, uh, you know, concern over, 
things like technology in in the classroom and the development or the increased access to uh, AI systems and how that could affect learning. Parents are less concerned about that than non-parents. Uh, you know, how concerned are you about your cell phone uh, impacting your your child, uh, the you know, children's well-being? Parents actually, even there, are a little bit less negative than uh, uh, than the non-parents overall. So this is maybe a bit of more of a a a, a meta interpretation, uh, as I would say. But I I would say to people who are interested in public opinion about education data in general, it's really worth looking at the of all the different polls that you see um, of different public comments that you see and, and, and all of that, it's worth diving into whether results can be separated by parents and non-parents because there is consistently, not always, but definitely often enough um, it's, it's worth breaking results down into, into whether respondents have a child in the K-12 system right now uh, or, or not. So it's, it's a bit of maybe a, a meta comment and, and people can, can take a, take a look at the, the report online, uh, and, and see all the different examples for, for themselves. Uh, but it, it definitely, yeah, no, I think whether you have a kid definitely makes a difference. No, I think both this month and, uh, and throughout the whole year, the whole parental positivity, thing is something that we just see across the board and it's part of it is that you know it makes sense when we ask very straightforward questions just sort of as you said we ask very straightforward questions like are you optimistic about the future are you hopeful and we can compare parents and non-parents um but then yeah when we drill into these other questions it shows up everywhere and so part of it's like i i, I try to think about what exactly that means like so are we um, you know, like I think of this month, there was like the questions about like AI, you know, like what are you concerned about AI's uh, effects on society? And it's just if you compare adults to school parents, it's way more likely to see the general population of adults saying that they are extremely concerned or very concerned uh, about it um, than, than school parents. And uh, school parents are much more likely to say that they're not that concerned about it. Um, and so, you know, part of it's kind of a weird thing because it's like, it's not clear to me if we're talking about sort of AI in society, it's not really directly about schools. So I think in some ways that may just be capturing just they're generally more optimistic. So they're generally less concerned about, you know, the dangers of these sorts of things. But it is an important corrective, like when we talk about schools a lot or when we talk about teenagers a lot to, to be thinking about, you know, it's how easy it is to fall into stereotypes of groups of people with whom you have no interaction. So it's like teenagers are always on their phones. You know, in some ways you want to say, well, like how many teenagers do you talk to in a given day? So, oh, I, I see them. So, well, I mean, like, I don't know if your sampling process there is actually as strong as it possibly could be. And then there are people who are actually around teenagers every day. And they're like, actually, they're not on their phones as, as much as you might think or, or whatever it is, even if it's going in the other direction. It is definitely worth thinking. And again, and it's worth thinking a lot about about schools. I mean, obviously, anybody who has even remotely watched the news or been on social media or anything you're constantly bombarded with this, with, with a narrative about what is going on in America's schools. 
or what is going on at school board meetings or what is going on in, in any of these in any of these places. And again, it can be very easy to start to get a picture of what schools are like without ever actually darkening the door of one. Right. And then when you actually talk to parents, they're like, well, actually, well, at least my kid's school isn't like that at all. Um, and so it's important. I mean, there's 100,000 public schools in America. There's 14,000 school districts. It's a huge system. So if you have to fill 30 minutes of the nightly news or, you know, an hour of news somewhere, you can very easily pick, you can pick whatever you want. You could pick 60 minutes of the most positive, amazing stories you could imagine. And you could totally tell that story and look at all these incredible things that are happening in America's schools. You could also pick 60 minutes of the craziest stuff you've ever seen in your life, right? Like the most ridiculous, embarrassing things that are happening. And obviously the truth is going to be somewhere in the middle of all of those things. And and part of what we're trying to do with this polling is find that mean, trying to find, um, you know, what parents actually think on this, what what adults actually think. And, and it's and it's not all roses and it's not all thorns, but hopefully it gives us a little bit better understanding of what that is. But I think I think you're right this broader trend of just parent positivity, both positivity when they talk about schools, but when we ask them actually about themselves, when we ask them about broader societal things, parents are generally just kind of more optimistic uh, about the future. And look, I think ultimately that's a great thing. <laughs> that's awesome. Like it, it turns out that that's actually, that's, that's great. And I'm glad that that's the case. Um, but it does sort of color the way we understand things. But Allie, I sort of filibustered there for a while and I apologize. But Allie, was there anything that you saw um, this month that particularly stood out to you? Yeah, I, I agree that that difference, that positivity difference between parents and non-parents is very striking, especially looking at those particular issues where it may not be so obvious that the chips would fall that way like technology, cell phone use, social media, AI. Um, I actually wanted to zoom in on the effects of AI. We asked a question about like how concerned parents are of the effect of AI specifically on children's learning. And we found that there was a substantial difference where private school parents were much more concerned about the potential effects of AI than district school parents. It was a pretty big difference too. 40 24% of private school parents as compared to 24% of private, of, of, excuse me, district school parents. So a 20 point difference is um, not insubstantial. So the idea that we do see this parent positivity effect, but within like the broader demographic of parents, you have groups who are looking at it different ways. And I'm not quite sure what might be contributing to make private school parents have this different opinion on AI specifically, but that did stand out to me as a finding this month that sort of jumped out from what we expect when it comes to parents' general views on these issues. It doesn't seem to have as much of that parent positivity that we've come to know and love. Um, and I think another thing that stood out to me, because um, in general, November was a month of continuity. We saw a lot of trends carry over from our previous uh, reports or previous findings. But one change that I did notice um, was in regards to parents' concerns about a violent intruder entering their child's school. We saw um, a five point drop in concern about that since October, and that's continued a general drop in concern about this sort of thing since midsummer. So now we're down to only 42% of parents um, um, concerned about a violent intruder in their child's school, which is not an insignificant number of parents, but it does show a sort of trend of that decreasing of people becoming more secure in their feelings about this particular threat to their child's school and education life. Well, I'm glad you went there with the um, 
AI questions? Because now I want to sort of open it up and think about just the sort of general trends and things that, that we saw this year. And if I was thinking about one of the things that really shaped some of the questions that we asked, honestly, the broader kind of educational and even outside of education world is the emergence of AI. And particularly, it was interesting, just before this, I was curious, I was like, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of comparison data about what people think about AI because AI just wasn't a thing that people <laughs> were talking about. And that's because, I mean, chat GPT, and it's so wild if we think about the degree to which we talk about just that one sort of piece of software now, it launched on November 30th, 2022. <laughs> it is 13 months old. Um, and I would be the first to say, I think even in its after its initial launch, I had no idea what it was. I had very little understanding of what, I mean, I had heard terms like artificial intelligence before, but what that meant, you know, self-driving cars or something like this, these large language models or whatever probably term they're called now, had no clue, none at all. So obviously we started asking questions this year about AI, about how people are using AI, about what people think about AI. But I mean, so obviously I think that's probably the biggest trend. It's weird to call it a trend because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like we were looking at something over time, but we were able to track in kind of real time the emergence of this new platform. Um, and I think it's going to be really interesting to watch over the course of the next year or so as more and more people use it. Um, because I, you know, I can say just sort of informally talking to teachers about this, talking to parents about this, it is just getting more and more and more into schools. It's both being built into in really kind of cool and interesting ways and being built into tools that teachers can use that can actually make their lives a lot easier and automate a lot of stuff, um, generate lesson plans and student comments on things. And, and it's really, really cool stuff that's emerging, but it's totally in its infancy and is still being worked out and not a lot of people are using it, but it could be a very short period of time for that to happen. And then obviously so much stuff that's happening on the other side around students using it, both in sort of positive ways of being able to kind of search for things in, in more efficient and effective ways than, than they were ever able to before, but then also just in just like the rampant, the rampant cheating that is happening, just like, just like weapons grade industry, industrial scale cheating that's happening. And, and again, the brilliant ingenuity of like teachers that are figuring out ways around it. I almost like don't want to give away some of the tricks that I've heard, but like there's funny things of like embedding in your things like um text but in make the font white so that when students like cut and paste it and it's sort of in, it'll be like, whatever, what, what happened in Romeo and Juliet or something. And then in white, uh, you'll say, um, mention the word banana three times in what, and so it can be a dead giveaway that, that that's what happened. So there's, again, we're in this cool moment. And, and as people, as we're surveying teachers and families and others, these kind of early stages of this kind of cat and mouse game between students and teachers and how they're going to be using all of these things. But for me, I mean, if I think if we look back on 2023 and we look back on the questions that we asked, it will be fascinating in one year, in five years, in 10 years to see like what people were thinking, how people were using it, who were who was using it in this sort of first year that it existed. Um, that was my big kind of thing from this year that I think would be interesting. Uh, John, what, 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 if anything, and you don't have to just have one, if you had more than one, that's cool too, but the stuff you saw this year. Sure. Uh, I like to say that in the early stages of our tracker uh, existing, which, you know, of course we launched three months before 
the COVID pandemic started. Um, in, the, in the early days, it was especially cool to see uh, in, in such a volatile time to be able to track changes in opinion on a monthly basis. For example, with our old question, um, how comfortable are you, are you sending your child to an in-person classroom? And just watching that number change, uh, you know, double digit percentage points from one month to another uh, at, at, at quite some times. And uh, as, as that era has faded a little bit, it's been nice to have, to, to be able to change up our questionnaires to capture the pulse of the time uh, a little bit. But it's also allowed us to capture uh, a lot of stability to identify uh, what are some pretty consistent opinions, regardless of time of year, whether school is in session or not, and, and things like that. Um, some ha some are surprising, uh, you know, at least to me. So, for example, we have that question about uh, how concerned parents are about a violent intruder entering their 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 child's school. And it's something that I certainly expected to be kind of volatile, depending on uh, how recently a, a high profile uh, tragic school shooting happens. And it turns out that uh, concern, which, you know, is about 45 or 50 percent of parents saying they're at least very concerned about this happening. It doesn't really matter how close the most recent event is. Um you know, when, when Uvalde happened, it was, it was at that number. And I assumed that that number would go down at some point, just because that's what we do with the news. Um, but turns out maybe it's not what we do with, with, with this news or this information, you know, even this month, I think it's 42% of parents, at least very concerned about a violent intruder entering their child's school. Um, so that's just a number that has not changed very much over time at all. Another example would be uh, school choice support. So uh, early this year in 2023, uh, something that I said would be worth keeping track of as all sorts of new programs were being created and expanded. Um, you know, we have a number of states now who have at least put on the books a, a universal school choice program, uh, some of them even launching this fall already. Uh, my thought was as ESAs, become a little bit more of a household name you know that's something that we've been working toward for 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 a while because you know, we as an organization have a lot of belief in, in an ESA system to provide a more targeted individualized uh, option for, for for parents to pursue if, if it works um, so we've been trying to make ESAs a household name in our, in our own way and I wondered if as ESAs kind of become more of a familiar term in uh, across the country, um, as a, as a school choice option, whether that would hit ESA support at all. So it becomes more of a political term as, uh, vouchers kind of have. And the answer seems to be no, uh, ESA support is, is still very, very consistent with, you know, at, at least about three quarters of parents, uh, supporting ESAs. And that's, that was true at the beginning of the year. And it's true now, you know, you get a couple percentage points up and down every month, basically within the margin of error. So um, even as school choice grows very substantially and, and ESAs specifically grow quite a bit uh, in the future uh, or, you know, through now and they will continue to go in the future, 
I'm now going into next year, uh, even as uh, programs maybe are beginning to launch and families are filling out applications for uh, next year's new programs, things like that. I'm not really anticipating the number to to go down. I'm not really being uh, cautious cautious about it uh, anymore. Obviously, it's still worth looking at, but um, that's it's something that's maintained uh, quite quite a lot of quite a lot of uh, favor. You know, we, we do provide um, what we try to keep a very neutral basic definition of ESAs. This is up on our website. It's in our questionnaires. You can see it yourself. I'm pretty proud of how we phrase it in a very neutral way. When parents see that, they're, uh, they're, they're, it's, it's something that uh, makes sense to them. And one more thing is, is we're, as long as we're talking about the year in general, something else that has kind of stuck out to me. I'm, I like, I like frameworks, right? I like, I like if, if we can boil things down to uh, to a couple key ideas that can explain a lot. Um, there's a quote that I'm familiar that I'm familiar with that I has been attributed to Steve Jobs or I've seen it attributed to Steve Jobs. I don't know if he actually said this, but uh, the it, it goes something like if 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 Henry Ford gave people what they want, they would have just asked for Master Horse with the whole idea being, of course, you supply a car and you can provide what people actually want, which is getting places much, much better. And I think it's worth looking at um, dividing questions about education and education reform into a couple categories, one being satisfaction, and then the other being um, maybe like perceptions about reform. So in general, if you ask people, are you satisfied with your child's education? Are you satisfied with how your child's school communicates with you? Are you happy? You know, how would you grade schools in your local area and things like that? Again, there generally is quite a lot of positivity. But what's interesting is we see all those questions and they're pretty cons consistently optimistic. But, you know, we are an ed reform nonprofit. So then you ask people about a bunch of ideas that are not really happening, certainly broad scale. Uh, it, right now, such as, um, you know, how do you feel about uh, some kind of hybrid school option? You know, how many days a week would you ideally like your kids to do learning at home? And, you know, people are just as likely to say they want their kid to be home at least one day a week as they are to say, go to school all five days. And that's been true for a very long time. Uh, or um, you ask people about, different kinds of policies that they wish their school, their kids' school would make about uh, technology and things like that. And, and reform ideas are actually very, very high. So I think that's worth pointing out too, just as something that I've noticed throughout the year, because um, some people who will argue for maintaining the status quo when it comes to education reform, will talk about satisfaction numbers and be like, see, things shouldn't change. And, uh, those definitely are numbers worth taking into consideration, but I definitely wouldn't end the conversation there because, you know, to, to steal the quote that Steve Jobs may or may not have said, you know, at, at least we would never innovate. We would never get something better. And uh, I, I think we ultimately do want education to uh, be on the up and up and not just maintain where wherever it's at right now. So that's why it's worth going into investigating different policies, different ideas, and getting specific into different kinds of needs and not just, are you happy right now?
Totally. And I think too, it's like, it's an important corrective to be like, Hey, listen, okay. What if 80% of people are happy with their schools? That means 20% aren't, and we should try and do something to help them. And if, if you're sort of more supportive of the status quo, you should say, awesome. So that means like the 80% of us are going to keep doing what we're doing and going to be happy about it. The 20% that are unhappy right now that might be, you know, making, making our lives miserable or, or like that, that are not enjoying what's going on um, can try something different and better. And it's like a way for everybody to win. Um, I, and, and we'll see. I think it'll be interesting as uh, ESA programs ramp up, as all these things happen, what the uptake rates are. You know, I'm willing to stick my neck out there and say that they will be less than 100%, right? Like, because plenty of people are happy in the schools that they have. And that's great. I wouldn't want to kick them out of their schools if they like them. So, um, but people will be able to, to, to find options. And if that's 10% of people or 20% of people, that's millions of families, right? Because the American education system is huge. Fair play to them. It's great. It's good for everybody. But anyway, Allie, your thoughts, um, some stuff, maybe looking back on, on this year. Taking a broad view of 2023, I think that John is right on the mark that we're sort of dealing with a world of, of changes. We're, we're looking at the effects of these new things that haven't been part of the conversation in school before, like AI, and to a lesser extent being new, but still, you know, we're still evolving to deal with them, ed technology in general, as well as social media and cell phones. And we're also doing all of this in a post-COVID world where people are more familiar with concepts like distant learning and directly using laptops as a way to facilitate education but also realizing that some of the challenges that may have presented during the pandemic, such as kids not necessarily absorbing that same background of knowledge, uh, as well as they have being able to attend school fully in person. Um, the idea that kids are playing catch up uh, academically, I think, has been a huge part of the conversation. Um, this entire year, when we had our recent teacher survey poll, 70% uh, of teachers indicated that they felt they were doing catch up academically for their students, uh, which is a very striking number. And just being on the ground in the classroom, having that perspective of how many students they're having to reach out and make sure that they're getting where they need to be in terms of grade level, I think that's, that's a major conversation we should be reflecting on as we think about the year in review. Um, and in that same sort of vein, uh, I, we, we had major findings a couple of months ago about student absenteeism. The fact that there are students who can't be learning to their full potential because they're not in the classroom. Um, so the idea that we have these, especially in our teen survey, it was reflected that a much higher proportion of them were missing school than their parents thought was probably actually happening. Um, so not to be not to be very pessimistic about this past year because I think there are good things to highlight as well. Um, we definitely see the conversation about AI evolving to reflect the fact that teachers are using it as a learning tool more than they're finding issues with cheating and plagiarism. So we see about 40% of teachers using it as a positive learning tool that thinks it has good merit, good value, compared to about 20% who have like known of an instance of cheating in their classroom or in other teachers' classrooms in their school. So I think that is a very positive outlook on how we've been adapting to these new trends and changes in 2023. 
And I guess the thing that probably stood out to me most across the whole year was in regards to how it was in regards to cell phone use. I think that, um, of course, we've been having a pretty constant conversation for the past few years about how to deal with cell phones. But some of the findings we had this year um, were teachers were much more concerned about the idea of cell phones being used in the classroom and on student development than parents were much more concerned, but they kind of had a commonality, a common ground where parents were very supportive of laws to restrict uh, teen social media use, of child social media use. 70% of parents in our last couple of polls pretty consistently indicated that they would support um, statewide or even federal laws that would require parental consent for kids to use social media. So we have these ideas in the works of how to respond to these challenges that have been presented to us over the course of the year. And I think that we might be seeing a lot of change going forward in the future after this year of learning how to deal with all the new stuff. Absolutely. Agree 100%. Well, John, Allie, it has been a pleasure podcasting with you uh, this year going through all of our uh, polling data. I will say to our listeners, I think our polling might be changing up a bit. Some things are still in flux. Um, TBD, which we will fill you all in uh, in on uh, sort of earlier in the year. There's a lot of change that's going to be happening sort of more broadly in education polling. I don't want to out anybody else's plans, but there may be some big players who will be exiting. There are some people who are changing. So it's really going to be an interesting year next year to to see how polling changes and evolves and, and emerges and fades into the background. Um, and so we appreciate everybody who's listening. Um, we look forward to these kind of new and exciting changes. We're going to do some cool stuff we're going to do some different stuff and it's going to be um it's going to be really exciting um but the whole time you will have john you will have Allie, you'll have all the other cast of wonderful characters that we've had colin and paul and i don't know whoever the heck else uh decides to jump on the mic with us uh next year uh but until then take care happy holidays um and i look forward to chatting with all of you again on the next edition of ed choice chats Another year in the books. Boom.